Hey there, folks. I'm Bryce Holdaway. He is Ben Kingsley, and we are the co-authors of The Armchair Guide to Property Investing, How to Retire on $2,000 per week. We're super excited to bring this new podcast to you where we unpack all of the chapters inside our best-selling book that's now sold over 22,000 copies and counting so that you can design the lifestyle that you want on the way to a passive income of $2,000 per week. So dive in, enjoy each episode as you get the behind the scenes on the best-selling book, The Armchair Guide to Property Investing. In the first uh, first time we did this reading, Ben, we did chapter one, which was building your own knowledge base. Chapter yes. two, second week, was the psychology of investing. Yes. Then week three, Ben, was the was it the three steps, the four steps, or the five steps? Definitely five, steps, Bryce. Ben. Don't cut okay, any corners. Five Definitely steps. five. Five essential steps to start. Then we did the fundamentals of investing, Ben, which was fun. Then week five, which was last week, we did a formula. It was called the property investment formula. Mm-hmm. And today, Ben, today... This is what we're going to do. Oh. Psyche. The psyche. Behind the price. The price. So how, hey ben, how, how does property prices grow, Bryce? How, how do they grow? Well, Ben, you know how we like you know how we like to give people frameworks so that they can uh, fish themselves? We want yes. to teach them how to fish. Yes, we do. Rather than giving them a fish. We're going to give them another one of those today sure. on how they can overlay this, not only in any suburb in Australia, Ooh. Ben, this framework's actually going to work in New Zealand. It's going to work in Europe. It's going to work in the Americas. It's, mm-hmm. In fact, it's going to work everywhere because it's a fundamental evergreen framework, and that's around human interest, human behaviour, and economic activity. So, mm-hmm. do you want to uh, do you want to expand on one of those, mate? Cho- choose whichever one you want to expand on. Well, I'll lead off with the whole fundamental thing in terms of what drives property prices, and that is the level of demand and supply, Bryce. Um, so, I'll start well, that's, with that's more specifically uh, demand. Exceeding supply Ooh, versus true. supply very exceeding true. demand. There you very go. true. If okay. we want to see property prices grow, that's exactly what we want to see. So on the supply side, what we're referring to is this concept of um, land and accommodation stock on the land, right? So a lot of people make the mistake to think that um, houses are built, but it takes a while for houses to build. But in greenfield areas, there's potentially risk of severe oversupply pretty quickly when they cut up farmland and they make it into subdivisions and start building a, a new uh, community out there. Now, the other way in which people also make a fundamental mistake is in regards to medium and high density accommodation. So when a mega a development is going to be built and there's four, four towers or five towers, um, that also carries a risk in regards to having potential oversupply there. So. When we're measuring supply, we're not only just measuring the actual supply today, Bryce, we're also Mm. measuring the... What's coming. What's coming. Having a peek around the corner. future supply that's coming around the corner because... And that's why we would like to buy in areas that are fully established, right? Not in greenfield areas because in those fully established areas, it's very difficult to bring on a lot of supply quickly when all the land is utilised. The only way you do that is called backfill or infill sites, and those infill sites carry the risk of potentially getting an oversupply of townhouses or apartments, but not really much else. And so that is the fundamental from the supply side. Over to because you for the demand. Supply side is really measured by, as you as you've hinted there, Ben. On the brand new side, it's by completions and new approvals. Yep. So it's essentially those two. And then on the established side, it's typically by 
um, either auction or private sale. And yeah. um, uh, and on if if we talk about the current environment that we're in in the COVID nineteen environment, those two measures have fallen off a cliff. Ben, <laughs> um, there's no stock, yep. and there's certainly there's certainly no significant major new approvals, and the completions are all sort of drying up. So the supply side is very very dry. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously we've still got a we've got a bit of construction that's finishing off. Um, but we've got this void um, that's coming up at the moment. But we've obviously just seen the government announce some stimulus for the construction industry. So that's also going to hopefully help on the supply supply side. But what we want to focus in on that is to sort of say, be careful in terms of what you are buying for investment. Not so much for lifestyle, go for, go for gold. Um, you know, if you want to live out wide or, or being one of those communities, good for you. Um, but in terms of capital growth, um, we're not thinking you're going to get much capital growth in those locations, so be careful in that area. Yep. Now, that's the, so that's the supply, supply side. side. Yep. Over to the demand side, Bryce. What makes up demand? Uh, wow. Demand, demand is, is, is driven by a number of things, Ben. What uh, typically uh, population growth, uh, how many people are in a, in a household which mm. is shrinking, and also your ability to buy, which is measured by your income and your yep. interest rates and those sorts of things. But but typically, we've distilled it into a framework that I used at the top of this Facebook Live around human interest, yeah. human behaviour, and economic activity. And those three things are, is, is what I hinted that you can overlay anyway. Mm. You're in North Melbourne at the moment, Ben. So you're you're really around, if we go economic activity, how close are you to the jobs market? Well, you're in the, in the shadows of the CBD, so it's pretty easy to get access to it. The human behaviour. Um, is largely around what, what are people going to do on the weekends. They can go down to the Vic Market, spend, they can go into yeah. the city and spend some time. There's some amazing restaurants. There's a few parks nearby. So there's lots to do. And then, uh, so that was human interest. And then the human behaviour is typically what do people think of you, Ben, if you live in North Melbourne or uh, a suburb further out or a suburb further in. So it's largely a combination of those three things which really make up um, the demand equation. Yeah, and I think also what we want to make sure that um, there's potentially false demand sometimes when we, we may just have a look at online search interest price and we get this scenario where everyone might be gawking at the really lovely and expensive homes in an area and we might think that makes up demand. So we've got to also remember that true demand is not only the desire to get in, but also the ability to be able to afford in that particular location. So you can be a statistic in terms of interested in an area, but unless you can afford it, you're not going to make up any demand equation that's going to push any prices higher soon in that particular area. So I think that's also an important takeaway when we, uh, when we sort of talk about the demand elements. And, and in terms of the first thing you want to look at as you filter this information in is economic activity is number one. So um, you can make the mistake of thinking, oh, yeah, there's, you know, there's going to be demand in a particular area. But if you've got really good economic activity in that city or that region. Um, uh, and it's not just from a singular industry, but from multiple industries and a lot of investment going in there, like our big capitals, um, then you've got every chance that, that that's gonna create the jobs and that's gonna put wage, wages higher. And that's obviously gonna mean that people will be able to afford to borrow more. And then they'll become a statistic of true demand. And when you get that true demand, you're ultimately gonna be in a situation where you can you can basically add to the to the demand side and push prices high. Folks, we are we are reading some highlight stories and some concepts from our book, uh, the Armchair Guide to Property Investing: How to Retire in Two Thousand Dollars a Week. Ben, there's a couple of ways to get your hands on this. 
Uh, all good bookstores uh, will have a copy, so you can walk in and grab a copy so you can continue to play along with us at home um, and maybe go back and revisit the previous Facebook Lives. Or, Ben, uh, we've spoken to our publisher. Uh, we've got some copies in the office, so if you want us to send you a free copy, we will. Uh, all we need you to do is to um, tell us two things, Ben, where to ship it and then give us the postage and handling. Uh, if you pay for the postage and handling, we'll, we'll buy the book and give it to you. Um, so just send, tell us where to send it to. But um, uh, we're, we're, we're very proud of the fact that this is an evergreen book, Ben. It's not a, uh, a book that only uh, works in one period of time. It works no matter which market that you're dealing in. So, so you talked about human interest. Uh, sorry, you talked about economic activity, Ben. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about the other two. <laughs> well, the the human behaviour stuff is is obviously um, how we go about life and and how we act as Homo sapiens and and humans. Like we we're social creatures. Um, when we live in a democratic and and capitalist environment, we you know we do um, aspire to to living a certain lifestyle, and and with that comes. Um, you know, the status of living in those areas and the brand and, and the reputation and, and what we think is successful. And, and that matters to people, right? And so they will pay a premium um, to live in those locations as opposed to locations that they may not see as desirable. So I'm not going to name names, um, but if you think, I know that if you're thinking to yourself, um, you could come up with a couple of really high desirable suburb names in the city that you're living in, or even streets if it's a small regional town that you're living in that have status and appeal and everyone would love if they're successful to live on those streets or in that suburb or in that part of the community. But there are also other areas which might be the bad end of town or an area or a suburb that has a stigma or some type of um, perception problem. And it's those areas there that also and would potentially uh, take away owner-occupiers from thinking about buying in those areas. So that stifles medium to long-term growth, um, especially if it's an area that's not close to the city that can potentially gentrify. So the exception to the rule there is areas that can gentrify, and we've seen plenty of those examples from you know areas like uh, Fortitude Valley um, and into Sydney where it's probably the inner west or Alexandria, Zetlands, those types of areas that are gentrified. Um, Redfern, um, and then you've also got areas here in, in Melbourne, which you might be talking about, Yarraville, um, Seddon, Footscray, yeah, those types of areas. So yeah, they're, they're, that's what you want to be talking about here because you know owner-occupiers control the marketplace, they represent 70% of the buyers, and so they're buying with their hearts, um, not their heads, um, but if they can see opportunity in those particular areas, they can drive demand and that pushes prices higher. But it's because they can change the status and that's that human behaviour element. Um, so I think that sort of is one of the indicators that we're looking at to try and see whether there's opportunity to buy in a particular location or not. Now, status increase, um, Ben, is something that seems straightforward. If I have more wealth or I've had more knowledge or I have, it's it's largely around appearance and what people think of me on the positive. But it's really, it's really also about minimising status decrease, which comes from what, what, well, I feel like I've made a silly decision. What will people think of me? So it's really maximising the up and minimising the down um, that we need to be focused on. And in some cases, you may be going into a gentrifying suburb. Ben, I remember a suburb, I won't say the name, but near where my parents live in Perth that was 
um, very much a negative status suburb, which now that I've been gone, uh, when I was growing up, Ben, but now that if I go back, that particular suburb has been exceptionally gentrified. Mm -hmm. It is still close to all of the lifestyle drivers. You get very close to Fremantle. And yet, um, sometimes even I have a little head spin when I go, yeah, that actually is a desirable suburb now because mm -hmm. it was so ingrained in me when I was a younger kid that that was a, that was a negative status suburb which has now turned into a very positive status suburb. So they can change, but they take a little bit of time mm. um, to change. It usually comes through a gentrification process of being um, uh, close to the lifestyle drivers. So we've got, we've talked about economic activity. We've talked about human behavior. And the third one is really around human interest, which is pretty easy for people to understand really, isn't it? What, what are you going to do on the weekend? Are you going to be sitting in your, in your suburb with nothing to do mm. with idle hands being the devil's tools? Um, which then works to making the status go down, or is it just full of life? Is it is it just have so much options that's got park and open spaces and close to the theatres and you've got the best cafes and you get the best smashed avocado and they do the lattes with all the art on it and all those sorts of wonderful things that make it it's just a great, desirable place to be. Really what is what human interest is about, whether it's walking distance to a, a train, particularly in the bigger cities of um, Melbourne and Sydney where people will pay a premium not to be congested, not to be stuck in traffic. Ben. So human interest really is the easiest one of these to understand because it's about what do you do for fun when you're not working? Yeah, and also the activity centres, you know, where they can play their sport, the sporting grounds, the schooling zones, um, where, you know, their kids are going to have the best opportunity to learn and not necessarily be disrupted, um, you know, in terms of poor school, schools or whatever that looks like. So I think... You're right, that, that's pretty easy and it sort of blends into what we talk about in terms of the practicality test in the game of property investing, which if you're not familiar with that, then you know just Google that and you'll see us explaining what the practicality test and also you know that, that game of property investing is all about as well. So there's definitely plenty of opportunity there, Bryce. So that's, that's the, the, yes, you go. I was going to say on page 144, we talk about a couple of uh, property indicators around um, property indicators being market indicators, demographic, human nature. We won't go into those, so we'll give people an opportunity to get a copy of this book and they yep. can go through that. But I reckon I reckon we might find um, round out this story, Ben. We talk about um, uh, location doing 80% of the heavy lifting. Yep. <clears throat> and on page 150 of the book, um, we tell a story um, of two houses, two uh, identical houses, which when when this and – it's, <clears throat> and it's a story that you talk about a lot, Ben – but when this concept lands around uh, two um, very similar buildings but having two uh, very different prices, once I think this is a fundamental concept to get because once you get this, it's I reckon it's the biggest penny drop moment. I reckon I reckon you tell the story best. So tell us tell us about the um, the, the, the tale of two houses, Ben. Rightio. Yeah. So I'll set the scene. So obviously we're going back um, over 150 plus years ago. Um, to the gold rush era, um, where we have um, a road, Cobb and Co coaches running up and down a road, um, taking gold from the mining fields of Ballarat, Bendigo, Castlemaine, and those particular areas, one of the richest uh, gold deposits uh, in the world. Um, and then we've got an emerging city um, with culture and, and, and uh, community, and, and you've heard me talk about this before, but Melbourne per capita was the richest city on the planet back in the gold rush era. So... You've got the leafy east areas like Hawthorne, Camberwell, Q, Turak, and we're building these beautiful um, Edwardian and Victorian homes of that era. 
um, and they've all been beautifully handcrafted. Uh, you know, uh, the craftsmanship's is first class. You've got the lead light. You've got all the beautiful handmade rails going upstairs to the different locations. You've got the large ceiling areas. Um, all of the sort of fretwork that's been done around all the property. Fixtures, yeah. All of it just finished it off beautifully, right? Mm. And it's the same craftsmen who have been doing the, the properties located um, just on the Yarra there uh, on the eastern suburbs of Melbourne and also the same properties that you've got being built in Castlemaine as that city starts to uh, also grow. But For all intensive purposes, Ben, the properties look very similar oh, in terms of totally. the property. Floor size, yep. land size, <laughs> uh, bedroom numbers. I mean, it's rinse and repeat, Bryce. We're building the same type of... Uh, properties, and we're talking about significant assets here, right? Both of them. Um, but all we then need to do is fast track to today, and that property in Castlemaine, which would still be a significant asset in Castlemaine, has owner occupier appeal, scarcity value, historical significance, all of those things um, might uh, yield you $1.5 to $2 million in today's market, whereas exactly the same property built and purchased at the same time uh, would yield you maybe between five to seven million dollars in a Melbourne market. And that just tells you that location absolutely does 80% of the heavy lifting um, when it comes to that type of asset. There's exception to the rules which we've talked about, high density and and oversupply in that type. But well, that's the, why it does 80 and not 100 then. Correct, that's right, because it is land value that we're talking about here. So land to asset ratio is the critical element and the land values tend to grow from the city out. And, and what Bryce was mentioning earlier around New York, Paris, London, all of the big centres, the Tokyos, the land value is significantly worth a lot more closer in and that spreads out. So irrespective of the improvements, which is the property on top, on top of that land, it's that land value that gets you that long-term return over time. Now you can still get it in a small block of apartments in a boutique apartment because you've still got a nice land size there in a particular location. So there's still capital growth to be had there. But fundamentally, that story was just about comparing apples with apples and putting a time frame of 100 plus years on it. And it's really, really clear in terms of the material gain that one's had over the other uh, when they're like for like assets. There you go, folks. I reckon if you're listening to this, uh, you get a chance to watch that back. Just go back and listen to that because it is it is, it is is so foundational. It is so important that you understand that. The difference between you having success as a property uh, investor and the, the difference between you having disappointment as a property investor, largely in our experience, comes back to that. Um, probably a very, very high percentage of people <clears throat> who haven't planned property, that's one reason. But the other reason is they buy the wrong properties in the wrong locations, Ben. Mm. So that is, that is <clears throat> excuse me, really, really important. So now, there folks, we have it. What we're actually doing is we're building a pyramid of knowledge where we're ticking, 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 ticking all of these key concepts, Ben, because towards the end of the book, we're actually going to do case studies around how to get that $2,000 a week. So we are slowly building, Ben. We're building all the important frameworks that you need to have so that you can know how to successfully build a property investment. So next week when we do this, we're going to talk about the buyer's decision quadrant, Ben. So mm, check around, that's a stick around for that. But um, today we talked about the psyche behind the price, which is largely around demand and supply, what drives them. And on the demand side, it's around human interest, human behavior and economic activity. So there you have it, folks. We are building out 
to help you understand how to build a property portfolio. So, Ben, uh, it's been fun. Um, just want to shout out to all the crew who are listening and watching to this. Uh, we have a podcast each and every week that we go to uh, to give uh, insights, relevant current events, all those sorts of things. We do that every week, Ben, don't we? Uh, at thepropertycouch.com.au. Hey there, folks. Bryce here again. Just want to check in to say thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the podcast. Hopefully, it's adding some value and building a story on how you can create a $2,000 per week passive income in retirement so that you can design the lifestyle that you really want to achieve. Now, I'm super excited to say that I'm keen to get a copy of the book into your hands and I've made it super simple for you to be able to do that because Ben and I have bought a copy for you. We've paid for it and all we need you to do is give us two things. One, tell us the address on where you'd like us to send it anywhere in Australia and two, pay for the shipping to send it to you because we'll pay for the book if you pay for the shipping. So it's really simple. Just go to thearmchairguide.com.au, leave your details there, and we will rush a copy out to you ASAP. And don't worry, given that you love audio because you're a podcast listener, we've got that solved too because you can actually get access to the audio book as well. Once you put your details in for a small fee, you can upgrade to get the audio book version so that you can listen whilst reading along at home. So get yourself a copy, go to thearmchairguide.com.au.